I'm going to be 60 here in a couple weeks. And the uh, older I get, the, um, the more struggles I have with teaching. I find it very difficult to find words to really express what's happening inside of me. And sometimes I get overwhelmed by the goodness of God. I was born again November 7th, 1971, so I'm 47 and a half years old in Christ. And the family I was birthed into, um, we were going through a rocky time as a family there. And I, I remember as a young man, we weren't really churchgoers, maybe four or five times a year. Uh, we would get in the old, the old Oldsmobile and Remember that station wagon with the back seat looking back? If you open up the window, all the exhaust fumes would come in. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was a titular that my dad did that. But anyway, that's another, that's another story, but no. But I, I, uh, and when I, when I met Jesus on November 7th, 1971, it was everything to me. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a quick fix. It wasn't wanting to go to heaven. It was... I met Jesus. <laughs> I mean, I met Jesus. And even though we weren't going to church, it's almost like it was a sovereign move of God where just God, because of the pain and the hurt I was going through in that season of my life as a young man, he just touched me. And I remember, okay, I'm supposed to read the Bible. And, and the cool thing about that, the reason I knew that was that in the summertime, I would go spend time with my grandmother Rackley, Leola Rackley. She was born in 1899. Great, great woman. My grandfather passed away in 1959, the year I was born. So I was going to stay with her for a, for a couple of weeks in the summertime. And every night before she would go to bed, she would open up her Bible and she would read her Bible. So there was something inside of me that said, I'm supposed to read my Bible. And so I shoved through, through the, some of the old stuff and got the dust off of a King James Bible about two inches thick. And here I was, 12 years old. And I made a commitment in my life to start reading it. So I remember starting in Matthew, I would read three chapters a day as a 12-year-old man, just trying to figure out there was something inside of me. I wanted to know what was going on. God touched my life. I wanted this experience. I, and I, I, I had no framework. I had no reference. I, I, but for three years, every day, I would read three chapters out of this Bible. And I started discovering Christ started beginning seeing things I've never seen before. And, and I would start asking questions. And then when I went to Glen Estee Junior High School, I was a different person. I was a foul-mouthed little sixth grader, cruel, a part of a gang, and I was bitter and angry. But Christ did something in my life. And now I'm going to school trying to, trying to love on people, and, and, I, and I don't know. I, I, I'm just trying to figure it out. But I just kept reading the word, kept reading the word, kept reading the word. And slowly things began happening in my life. And then my father was transferred to Syracuse, New York. And God connected me to a church where a man put his arms around me and discipled me. And then, and then I, I could go on and on about all the many stories, the valleys and the mountains in my, in my life. But I want to say this. Is there something about the word of God that if you learn it, and meditate on it, you are going to experience things in God that you'll never, ever be able to experience if you don't do that. 
And so today, I want to do something. And I intentionally didn't really prepare for today's message because I want to do something because I want you to just see the power in the living word of God. So in our chapter today, we're going to take chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians and chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, and we're just going to go verse by verse through those chapters. And I'm going to make some commentary, but I want you to see the beauty of the Word of God. Now, please, please hear this. The God who created the galaxies... They tell me there's black holes up there. They actually swallow up galaxies. And they tell me, science, different things I've read about, the universe is continually expanding, that God made that. All the way down to the molecules and the DNA in my body, he made that. This is the God that I'm talking about. And he chose, out of his grace, out of his love, and out of his kindness, he chose to use 40 men to inspire them to write down words that he wants me to understand. That blows me away. I mean, does it you? Does it, does it the, the, the God who just holds everything together by the power of his word put something in writings for me? And what I have discovered that as I meditate on those words, as I grow in those, in those words, my Christian journey becomes absolutely thrilling. I would even say amazing at times. And so today, I just want to take time going verse by verse and letting you see the beauty of the living word of God. Can we do that together? So open your Bibles, and it's going to be on the screen. To 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to begin with verse 1. Now, I don't know how far we're going to get in this. I may start talking after <laughs> verse 1 and go for 20 minutes. I, I don't know, but we may get through both chapters. But I want you to, to focus your thoughts on the living word of God, Jesus, as he's speaking these words to our hearts. So look at, look at verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore. So whenever you see the word therefore, you got to look at what happened right before. Now in verse 18, I'll just read this. So all in chapter 3, so all of us who have had that veil removed. See, that's what happened to me when, when I was 12 years old. A veil was removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him. The Lord, who is the Spirit, makes you and I more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So that's the therefore. Because the Spirit of God is doing this in our life, because the Spirit of God is doing this in our hearts, he said, therefore, says God, in his mercy, his tenderness, his compassion, his warmth, his love, his amazing grace towards us, since God in thy wonderful mercy, he's, watch this, he has given you and I this new way. Well, what is the new way? The new way is the spirit in us transforming us. See, the new way is now God. I'm now not living for God. God is living through me. See, that's the new way. Have you discovered yet in your spiritual journey, you cannot live the Christian life? You can't. 
that the Spirit of God can live the life of Jesus in you and through you. And that's, the, whole, that's a, the neat thing about Christianity. That is a new way. I am plugged from dimness, and I plug into the Spirit. And he said, because God in his tender mercy, he's giving us this new way. Now, look what happens. Because of that new way, we never, <laughs> we never give up. See, when you experience the new way, it doesn't matter if my body is filled with whatever disease. It doesn't matter what level of wealth I have. It doesn't matter, you name it, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how well my kids are doing, how much education I have, how much intelligence I have, how much wealth I have, it doesn't matter. If I'm experiencing the new way, I never give up because the new way is, in, is intoxicating. It's glorious. It's amazing. It's thrilling. And this is my concern. My concern in ministry and pastoring and eldering and, and small groups, to, uh, I don't know if I've led hundred, hundreds of small group meetings. This is my concern. I meet so many people who's not experiencing the new way, and God wants you and I to experience that new way. And I got to pick up the pace if we want to get through two chapters, don't I? <laughs> All right. So in his grace and his tenderness, he's given us... We never give up. Now, look at this. Now, Paul's going to defend his ministry, which is amazing to me, the fact that Paul, who written 13 books by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he, uh, most, or half, half of 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians is him defending himself. He said, we reject, this is Paul by the inspiration of the Spirit, telling me how to live my life as well. We reject all shameful deeds, that's good, folks, and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. Oh, isn't that dear? We tell the truth before God. We tell the truth before God. Hey, let me ask you this question. Are you in the presence of God right now? Yes, you are. Are you in the presence of God when you're in the shower? Yes, you are. Are you in the presence of God when you go to work? Yes, you are. Are you in the presence of God when you put your children on your laps? Yes, you are. And he's aware of that. See, Paul is aware of always being in the presence of God. He flipped that switch. He understood the spirit realm. And that where, however he lived his life, he was always in the presence of God. And he said, because of that, we don't destroy the truth. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. We live in a culture where there's a lot of people perishing. And we live in a culture where the truth of God is hidden. And people don't want to be open to the reality of salvation through Jesus Christ. Correct? And we see that everywhere. Don't be angry with that. Understand what's happening. I love what John Wimmer, I went to a seminar, John Wimmer, he began the Vineyard Ministries years ago. He's, he's long since deceased. He died as a, as a younger man, but in, in his late 50s, um, that's my confession of faith. <laughs> so anyway, um, and I remember going to a seminar where he talked about discipleship, and he used discipleship on, on a spectrum of, of zero to 100. And he said zero was Satan. 100 was just like God. And he said 50 was conversion. And this is what he said to, to the audience. 
He said, if you're helping somebody go from two to three, you're discipling them. See, we live in a culture, you, you, you go to companies, you go to work, you have next door neighbors. We live in a culture where people are perishing, and we just have to help them take one more step to the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah. And so he said, you know, they're perishing. If this is failed, they're perishing. So don't get angry at people who want to kill babies. Pray for them and keep on proclaiming the gospel of the truth of Jesus Christ because that good news will bring them back to the living word, which is going to save babies. Does that make sense? Don't, don't get angry at po- political officers that you don't agree with and you think they're taking our country down a wrong path. Don't get, don't get angry with them. Pray for them and keep on proclaiming the truth to help people take one more step to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because it's only the gospel that's going to change our world. Now look at this in verse 4. And I am going to pick it up, I think. Okay, In verse 4, it says, Satan who is the God of this world. Do you believe that? He's the God of this world. We are light, and we have been parachuted behind enemy lines. We are light in the midst of darkness. Satan is the God of this world. What would you expect Satan to do? What he does, evil, deceive, lie. And so it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded. The minds of those who don't believe. Now, let me tell you how he does that. This is just observation. And I, I just have four Ds I've always kept with me through the years. The first thing he does to people is he just distracts them. Just don't, don't worry about the big questions in life. Don't worry about the big things in life. Don't worry about where you came from. Don't worry about where you're heading. Just distract them. You know, put a little bit of wealth in there. Put a little sexual immorality in there. Put a little bit of addictive behavior in there. Just distract them. Get them going down roads that they don't need to go down. And, and we'll just see what happens. So, so good old boys, good old women, we just get distracted. And then after a period of time, that distraction becomes division. Die meaning two. Vision is your vision for your life. So now you, you, you had a vision in your life one time that God planted in you, and that was to discover who he is, that God spot that we all have inside of us. So now you're divided. You have two, you have two visions in your life because you were distracted, and you now believe that if I get more money, I can have fulfillment. You know, it's amazing to me how wealth is such a major deceiver in our American culture. If I just had more, my life would be more fulfilling. If I just had you fill in the blank, if I could just, if I could have longer vacations, if I could have more free time, if I could, if I could have a, a, a better degree, if I could, you name it. It's always all these ifs. If I had this, I could be more fulfilled. And so you're now divided. You're distracted, and now you're divided. And so you're going after that vision that you think is going to bring you fulfillment. And then you walk into that, uh, you walk into that for a couple months, maybe a couple years, and now you're, di- you're divided. That division in your heart leads you to deception. You now buy into the lie that you don't need God. That's what's happening. 
We live in a culture where people have bought into the lie they do not need God, correct? And then once that deception is set in place and you go for a long period of time, they now set the course of their destiny. And we are the ones with good news, and you're going to see that in a minute. Well, let's go on. Are we doing okay so far? Isn't God's word wonderful? Look at the second part of verse 4. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ because of that distraction, that division, that deceit. Their, 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 their life pathway is going away to, towards perishing. They don't understand it. They don't understand that message who is the exact likeness of God. Okay, do you guys see? Do you see what he just said? He just said they're confused and they don't understand. So what are we supposed to do about that? Well, let's go on. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the solution. That's the answer in our culture, folks. Please go vote in every election, but know that your vote isn't going to change the culture. Proclaiming and preaching that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God. To follow him with all your heart. That's what changes lives. They don't see the glory of Christ, but when we proclaim and preach that he is Lord, people begin seeing, it in us, seeing it that in us and begin being drawn to it. So that's the good news. That's the proclamation that we have. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Hey, let me, I, I just, just have to say this. There is no greater life endeavor than to make it your personal journey to proclaim Jesus Christ everywhere you go, through your lifestyle and through your words. There's nothing, there's no better way to spend your life than to proclaiming the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And if you're not proclaiming that, my friends, the Holy Spirit has something exciting for you because there's no greater adventure than that. I love it in my employment. I've got 23 employees. I got about 10 or 12 that, that, that are Christ followers, and I got 10 or 12 who's not, all the way till I have two or three who want nothing to do with Christ and would even proclaim that they, they are atheists. I love it. I think it's wonderful because you, they have to be around me. <laughs> they come to my office. They see a cross there. They see George Washington bowing his knees. They see my Bible here. They see my love for my family here. They have to see the Christ in me. And they see how I treat them, my tenderness and my compassion, and how I pay them well. All those good things is part of who, who I am in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They see that when I go out to eat and when we have Christmas parties, I say, let's pray and thank God for a wonderful year that we get to celebrate. They see that in me. I don't point fingers at them. I don't try to engage them in harsh conversations. I just proclaim Jesus as Lord through my life. And through the way I love, and through my kindness, and through my warmth. And every once in a while, people... Now, now with the other Christians, they always hear us doing the God talk. Hey, brother, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. I was church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they always see that kind of thing, okay? And every once in a while, they'll come down and say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And they'll start bearing their heart just a little bit at a time, 
Because they know I care. And what does that care inside of me? It's not me. I don't proclaim me. It's the Jesus in me that the Holy Spirit is bringing forth. You guys, you guys, you see that? Isn't that cool? Isn't that neat? And, and this is just the word. And then he says in verse 6, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness. Remember there was a great void. There was darkness on the earth. And light appeared. He said, for God who said, let there be light in the darkness, he has made this light to shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, I want to talk for 20 minutes. I, this light, just like the earth was dark, and God just said, light appear? That's what happened to me when I was 12. I was in darkness, and God said, light, appear. And I don't know how all that worked. I don't know if it was seeing my grandmother reading the Bible. I don't, I don't know all that. I don't know how all that worked. I just know it happened. And as you and I proclaim Christ Jesus, he's the one that has to bring that light forth in people's lives. I can't. I can water. I can plant. But I can't bring the harvest. The Holy Spirit does that. He's the one that looks at someone's heart, and I don't know how it happens and when it happens uh, uh, truly in someone's heart, but he's the one that he has to bring them to a place where life can come forth in their life. And that's why we proclaim Jesus as Lord. And then he goes on, verse 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts. Amen. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. You know what, guys? I sin all the time. I am a fragile person. That, that nature in me, that sin nature, Paul said, man, I have this struggle. You know, sometimes I walk down roads, it's like, what? How did I get here? Sometimes I say things I shouldn't say. I do things I shouldn't do. And then sometimes I feel things. It's like, what, what, how, how did I get here? Because I'm fragile. I'm fragile. You're fragile. That's why it's Christ in us. According to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, Christ in us is the hope of glory. It's Christ in you and I. And then he, he's, he goes on, he says, says, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. I, this is going to sound weird, what I'm about ready to say to you. Right now, I believe it's the Holy Spirit trying to use my feeble words to speak to your hearts. It's not me. I, I'm fragile, I'm weak, and, and, and I just pray, God, just, just speak your living word through your vessel, Dennis, as a fragile jar, speak and proclaim. And that's who you are. Everywhere you go, you're a fragile jar of clay that the great value of the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and he wants to come through you. And the reason why we're fragile is because he doesn't want you and I to get the glory for that. He gets the glory for that. He's the one that wants to be honored and lifted up and esteemed. And then he goes on in verse 8. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are, I've been through a divorce. I've been through a lot of anger. I've been through bitterness. I've been through wars. I've been through difficult times in my heart, but I'm not crushed. I don't give up. I keep on going. 
were perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. Have you been hunted down before? Paul has. And he said, but I'm not abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. I love that in Paul. No matter what, no matter what sickness, what pain I go through, what, no matter what hurt I go through, if I, if I turn to God, I'm never going to be destroyed. And I love what he says here. Through suffering... Our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. (laughs) See, he was on the cross, right? He died. Our bodies continue. Our bodies, uh, our, our mortality has not been swallowed up by life yet. We're still physical bodies living. And he says, Yes, we live under, in verse 11, yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. Okay, you ready? I got a question to ask you. Is the most important thing in your life is that the life of Jesus Christ is revealed in you? Because that is the new way. Is it? Is that the most important thing? That no matter what happens, no matter what happens, Jesus, I want your life to be revealed in me and through me. Let's go on. Verse 14, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. (laughs) Have you ever thought about Jesus, God presenting you to himself? I remember I had a three-year stint where I I taught at the University of Cincinnati in the School of Business. I taught marketing and management courses. And in one of my marketing courses, what I had the students do, they had to take a a, a, uh, whatever company they wanted to, whatever product they wanted to, to do, but 50% of their grade was they had to present that and how they were going to take that to market. Can you see what God's doing? He's working in my life because he is wanting to present me to himself. So he's doing the work, and he's, he's situating me, and he's presenting me, and then he's going to get on the other side of me and said. I did a pretty good job. He is presenting me to him. It's his work if I just surrender to that and let the Christ life in me do that work. Isn't that a cool thing? He's presenting me. Man, you, can, you guys could get intoxicated. If you just said, go home today and take 10 minutes and close your eyes and just see yourself being presented by God to God. I can't wait till that day. And, and then he says, all this in verse 15, all this is for your, your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there's going to be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. Amen. That, this is why, in verse 16, remember he said this in verse 1. He said, this is why we never, we never, we never, 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 we never Give up. I don't care what pain you're going through, what hurt you've been through, we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, yes, they are, our spirits are being renewed every day. 
man, I'm 60. I look 60. I'm old. My knees are brittle. I, I sit down sometimes. I got to get up and got to stretch a little bit. You know, I, by the way, though side note, as you get older, they say the most important thing is to stretch. I'm discovering stretching is very important to me. But I'm, getting, I'm old. My body, it's dying. It's not been swallowed up by life yet. I don't hear my resurrected body yet. But inside, I feel like a little child. Inside, I'm still in awe of God. I'm still thrilled about who he is, his majesty, his splendor. He still wows me because inside, I'm being renewed day by day. For our present, let's look at this in verse 17. And I love this comparison. For our present troubles are small. (laughs) Oh, I just need a little T-shirt. We need to buy T-shirts. Our present troubles are small. And they won't last very long. James chapter 4, verse 14 says, What is your life? Your life is but a vapor. Folks, family of God, friends of Elevation, don't put your hope in this life. Because it's a vapor. I remember graduating from high school. I remember remember graduating from college. I remember a lot of things. But I'm 60. Those 60 years went fast. And I'm okay with that. I'm really okay with that. But the struggles I go through, they are light. And they are momentary. They're going to go away. God's got a plan for all this. Now look at what this plan is. In verse 18... Or the second part of verse 17. I'll just read verse 17. For our present troubles are small, won't last very long, yet they produce for us a what? A glory. There's something that troubles in your life will produce for you that not him in troubles will not produce. So those troubles will produce for you a glory that vastly outweighs all the struggles, and that glory will last forever will never end so we don't look at the troubles we can see now rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen for the things we see now will soon be gone but the things we cannot see will last forever I'm going to skip to chapter 5 verse 18 because I want to end, I want to end on this. So if you would turn that to the screen, guys, thank you. Or your, your, your cell phone. And all of this in chapter 5, verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us his task of reconciling people to him, proclaiming Christ. That's our task. We have it. God is saying, Dennis, I want you to be a part of my plan. You don't get to not be a part of it. You're a part of it. And, and if, you, if you accept that part of it, you're going to experience things you've never experienced, and you're going to be, be uh, tremendously uh, awed by the cool things that I'm going to do through you. Look at verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Sean, you can come on up, brother, whenever you like. I've got to read that again because I want you to see this. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's 
sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. We proclaim this truth. God is making his appeal through us. You see that, folks? It's through us that he's making that appeal to the world. He says, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Those 10 or 12 people in my employment, come back to God. I'm living life in such a way. I'm proclaiming in such a way because I want them not to perish. I want them to come back to God. My next door neighbor, I don't want them to perish. I want them to come back to God. My family, my friends, I don't want them to perish. I want them to come back to God. And God is using me and is using you to proclaim that. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. So this is what happened, folks. The Father loved me so much, and he saw all of my brokenness, all of my sin, all of my wickedness, my greed, my lust, my materialism, my jealousies, my envy, my bitterness, my you name it. He saw all that, and he said, Dennis, you're going to be eternally separated from me because of that. And then he took his son. And he said, Jesus, I want Dennis. I, I want him. I want him to live forever with us. And Jesus, Jesus and the Spirit, and they're all one. And they're all God. They came up with this creative, beautiful thing. And then the father said, Jesus... You're going to have to take all of that stuff of Dennis. And I'm going to have to put it all on you. All of his greed, you're going to become that. His lust, you're going to become that. His materialism, you're going to become that. His jealousy, his envies, his anger, you're going to become that, Jesus. And Jesus, I'm going to put all that on you. And I'm going to have to punish you, Jesus. I'm going to have to punish you. I'm going to have to whip you, put thorns on you. I'm going to have to kill you, Jesus, for Dennis, because I want him that much. And then he said, Dennis, I want you so much. My perfect righteousness, my perfect holiness, I'm going to take from Jesus, and I'm going to put it on you. Because I don't want you to perish, Dennis. I want you to be with me forever. And so Jesus gets on the cross, and they nailed him, and they killed him. They just they destroyed his body, and he paid the full price for all sin for all time. And he gave the gift of righteousness to everyone if they would just open up their hearts and receive that gift from him. It's called the divine exchange. Jesus exchanged his righteousness for our sin. And brothers and sisters, that is the greatest news that there is on this earth. That's what we as Christ followers proclaim to our world, that you are deeply, deeply loved. And that Christ paid the full penalty for you. Would you stand up, please? I want to give anybody the opportunity this morning, if you have not fallen deeply in love with Jesus Christ, 
If you have not surrendered your heart to him, if you have, Daniel, come on up here, please. If you have not given your life to him, don't leave today. He wants you. He wants you. He longs for you. You don't have to leave today. We want to talk to you about how to open up your heart. Just come down and just bow before him. And some of you have not fallen in love with the word of God. This is just an old book that just sits there. You never read it. You never open it. Please turn from that. Stop that. Let this become your life book. Put this in your heart. Desire this with everything that's inside of you. Discover it. Learn it. Turn away from not caring about the word of God. And some of you have just been living a life just doing your own thing. I get it. I get that. But we cannot leave when the body of uh, friends, the, the body of Christ and the friends of, uh, of Elevation come here. We can't leave without giving you an opportunity as you sing this song to follow Christ with all you have. If you've not been redeemed, now's your chance to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and open your life. If you have been redeemed, but you've been distracted, now's your time to come back and say, Jesus, I really want to follow you. I know I'm redeemed. I know I'm saved, but I want to really, truly follow you.